We're just going to talk about comics. That's comic books, everybody. This is the podcast where two brothers talk about the comic books they love. Um, theoretically, maybe someday we'll talk about comics we don't love, but so far, that's the way it's been. I'm one of the two brothers. My name is Will Hines. I'm the other brother. My name is Kevin Hines. And look, here's the deal. We're comedians and mm-hmm. um, improv teachers and comic book fans, and so we do this podcast where we talk about the comics that we're interested in, and right now we are in... Approaching, kind of headed toward the end of our season examining Marvel superheroes Secret Wars, the original 1980s incarnation of this groundbreaking crossover event. And today we're doing issues 9 and 10. Yeah, and this is possibly the first ever major crossover event. It might be second if you consider Crisis before. There's some debate over which one actually uh, was incepted first. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is the first in Marvel's history, at least, and it yeah. inspired uh, events for the rest of time. Forever. Far in the future, even if human beings evolve into some other life form, they will have mm-hmm. comic books and those comics will have crossover events. And when those when those future non-humans read those crossover events, they'll be like, this is like Secret Wars. I mean, in a way... In a, Without Secret Wars, is there an Avengers MCU movie where, like, it isn't just a standalone Avengers movie? It was, like, built out of three other movies. There certainly isn't a CW TV channel thing where every channel, every show and every every night crosses over with each other. Like, these are, those are crossover events. Yeah. Um, Well, I'll say this, that I don't, whether or not they would have happened... When they do happen, comic book fans will say to each other, oh, this is, they're doing a Secret Wars thing. Yeah. Like, it is um, a vocabulary word that people use. It's also, and I think I mentioned this in a past episode, but the, the, this made the, the Marvel Universe smaller in a way. Like, uh, even as we're reading this, it's like, villains are like, oh, this Spider-Man guy is a pretty good fighter. Like, mm-hmm. nowadays, like, they would know that. Like characters yeah. all know each other because they're in crossovers every year together. But at this point, there was just sort of like, oh, we don't really know Iron Man. Ah, oh, the X Men have never really worked with Captain America. Do these people get along? The X Men and the Avengers, do they get along? It's like, well, they've all been on each other's teams now, so mm-hmm. yeah, uh, it's all changed so much. But at this point, it was sort of, it was really like, oh, instead of you know Iron Man occasionally showing up in Spider Man's book, it was like, oh, they spent twelve months together on another planet. Right, right. Um, and they I guess for the it. for they the fans it. too, it like makes the universe smaller because if you're a fan of Iron Man, you know, and you buy Secret Wars to see what happened to Iron Man, then you learn about Wasp and like the Wrecking Crew. You know, if if for mm-hmm. some reason you had not yet been sucked into the X Men, Secret Wars could suck you into X Men. It probably did a lot of like consolidating of fans. Yeah, I think as I mentioned, like this is my introduction to a lot of characters, and I was thinking that while I was rereading these issues nine and ten, like Claw is so silly. Uh, he's like a disembodied head talking to uh, the heroes at the tomb at times. And when I like when we read the recent, um, when we recently read the uh, Kirby introduction to the character Claw and the Black Panther issues, yeah, it's not at all the same guy. He's like this no. Evil, maniacal hunter, you know, white, great white hunter invading the yes. African nation. That's yeah. how he is in the movies. He's sort of this, he's this maniacal, vicious person. And here he's like a goof, like he's a he goof. doesn't seem like an FF threat. He seems like impossible, man. 
Yeah, it seems like a or like a court jester almost, just like yeah. just like almost like a um, Keith Giffen. Uh, what's that got? Heckler character. Yeah, it seems like if Claw showed up in a comic, you'd be like, "This one's gonna be fun." Yeah. And so, Black Panther's like, "What do you mean? He killed my father." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what do you think of these two issues we're doing today, Kev? I think they're real fun. In my uh, in these two issues of Doctor Doom and the Secret Wars. Yeah. Great. Really fun. I love them. I was. I um. You know. I have not read the Secret Wars in forever. And I was reading them today for this podcast, issues 9 and 10. When I finished 10, I almost couldn't stop. I was like, oh, I got to find out what happens now. And I haven't had that happen so much. Uh, issue 10 in particular is such a fun Doom issue. Yeah. It's great. I love I it. I think both these issues are great. I mean, Jim, Sh- I don't know. I'm, I'm, I, I have this like sense memory of this as being like shoddily written and shallow and dumb. And I'm reading it. And of course there's tons of weird plot holes that we'll talk about for these issues, but I've said it every time and I'm going to say it again. These are so fun to read and shooter. I do think had a really good understanding of what is fun about a bunch of superheroes like dealing with each other. And I think he really did understand a lot of these characters. I don't know what the, what what the fans want to see. So I'm going to skip ahead. I was going to save this for emails, but I'm going to read this now, Will. People, uh, three, two, two or three people uh, tweeted this at our uh, Twitter account. This is something okay. that Tom Brevroot posted. Okay. This is an old memo uh, that Jim Shooter sent. Uh, uh, Tom, Tom Brevroot, um, the editor, one of the editors at Marvel Comics, mm-hmm. um, His description of this is, here's the famous Jim Shooter memo about plugging secret wars that caused a lot of controversy in the period. Okay. You ready for this, Will? Oh, boy. Is this going to change what I just said? (laughs) I think it's just really funny. Um, So this is from Jim Shooter to all the editors. Since I don't have a letter called to hype secret wars and myself, I'd appreciate some help. How about in your letter calls... For the rest of the year, mentioning how wonderful Secret Wars is and what a marvelous job I'm doing and how being the EIC, (laughs) Editor-in-Chief, and therefore the ultimate underlined authority on all the characters alike unto the very god of the Marvel Universe, my work is absolutely perfect. Definitive (laughs) even. That seems to be the only gripe we're getting, that the characters are not not exactly, and this part is crossed off, as dull and boring, uh, the same as they appear in the regular titles. If you guys would talk up the wonderful job I'm doing, we could, again, this part's crossed off, trick the little Fs. Mm-hmm, uh, that mm-hmm. word is written out. I'm not going to do it for our podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then this part is written again. Make it clear to the charming readers that despite my stylistic differences from the other writers, we're writing the same characters. Again, crossed off, only I write them better. <laughs> and then let's legitimize the hell out of it, okay? Thanks, Jim Shooter. Now, obviously, this is written... Tongue in cheek. Tongue in cheek. But from your boss, yeah, it's that it's is not cool. Tone deaf. It is a bad move. It's definitely someone who thinks he's a buddy with people when he's got power over them. Um, I can see where it's annoying. I don't know. I'm all I can say is I'm loving these issues, and it's it and, if, and they I can are see, fun. First, it is it is the fun action movie version of Marvel Comics, and I don't mind it. I can see why writers and creators would get mad about this joke memo. Yeah. This joke memo. Uh, I like think about like the Stan Lee version of it. First of all, when Stan Lee did this version of Stan Lee did a version of this, he was probably writing most of the books and it probably yeah. does anger the pencilers who are plotting all these books. Yeah. But also, also he would write all the letter columns. He would write Stan's soapbox and just hype it. He did all the hype. 
But also his hype would be so over the top. Yeah. It would almost be like, well, it's too goofy. Like this, and he, a, and, he, and he would poke fun at himself. Yeah. You know. Um, and that's what's missing here. It's a, it, it doesn't like deflate Jim. And I think even when Stan did it, it angered people, like I said. So maybe even Stan should have done stuff like this. Yeah. But this is like a little too angry, a little too. Yeah. It, didn't, it doesn't feel humble and. Um, no, it does not. Uh, uh, goofy. It feels just arrogant. Uh, that's a anyway. bummer. Because I, I think he really uh, did a good job with this series. I think he did too. Uh, I still feel like it feels a little dated. It feels like it should have come out five years earlier. Like, and that, uh, sure. Uh, the, the, the type of writing he's doing has, has sort of fallen out of style, but only very recently. You know, it's like, a, it's like a, uh, an old sitcom airing at the same time as The Office. It's like, oh, well, you kind of missed the boat. We've changed right. how we do these things now. But this still, you're doing it right. You're doing a good job of it. Right, right. Um, there is that kind of feeling. It does feel like I'm watching a good multicam, and we live in the era of single cams. But um, I don't know. Maybe I think my, you know... I, I don't read superhero comics anymore month Mm -hmm. to month. I'm not invested in the individual storylines. So when I'm reading secret wars right now, I'm like revisiting a lot of these Marvel guys. And so this might be a good way to revisit them. Little bite size. Yeah. um, Non subtle. I mean, as I said, I love it. Uh, I think it's really fun. Yeah. Uh, It's only if I think I was reading this while also like reading, Burns Fantastic Four and Miller's Daredevil and Claremont's X-Men where it feel like, uh, sure, you could do it, this. You could have done it, this better and not had it been any less fun. It does not have any of the emotional impact of those books. Like a good X-Men book is like, you know, teen angst and like and like young love, star-crossed lovers and like the persecuted and wronged. um mutants you know overcoming big bad authority i mean you know it's terrific and miller's noir stories are just exciting and gruesome and like will haunt you and yeah burns ff are like these brilliant science fiction short stories yeah this isn't any of that but it's yeah it's got a different mission and stern's avengers is like nice character building like really uh, uh, how these characters interact is really being put to the test and really shown to you um, like Captain Marvel grew into such a cool character in his book. And here she's just sort of like someone who turns the light occasionally. Right. Um, I guess I would say. I'm not trying to talk it down. I, I am. Uh, my, I think people are too tough on this series. I think this is a good series. But it, it's important to remember the context of when it came out. That Yeah. It, it, I guess Shooter's were, style is a little dated. I mean, everything that I've you know, read about people's opinion of Jim Shooter who worked with them are like, what a pain in the ass is kind of the general tone. Um, it'd, be like, it'd be like Steve Martin giving John Mulaney some stand-up advice. It'd be like, oh, you're still funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you're also from the 60s and now we're in the aughts. Right, uh, right. Or, that, or not even the aughts, the 20s <laughs> we've wrapped around. Um, so maybe you're not the best person to like write my stand-up routine give me some advice and i'll take it or not take it but i should be the yeah. one writing it in that sort of sense comedy's evolved and i think steve martin would know that yeah well 
Uh, anyway, I love it. Are uh, you ready to get into the issues? Yep. Yeah, here's the recap of issue nine. So, issue nine starts, uh, Zaji is alive. I thought she was dead. Uh, I was wrong. You were right, Will. She was uh, only like in a coma-like state. This uh, makes up for that time that I corrected you on nonplussed, I think. Don't think it does. Okay. Um, Colossus is obsessed with Zaji, despite her being in a coma. Uh, the X-Men, meanwhile, are fighting Galactus. Uh, the other Avengers are flying back to return to the fight. Hulk mopes on the ship. Uh, ben Grimm turns back into the thing, and Spider-Man realizes he has webs again from his new costume. Uh, Reed spends about half a page recapping the plot. During the fight with Galactus after the heroes get there, Reed decides that it's a better idea to let Galactus win. Uh, Hawkeye calls the uh, Fantastic Four cowards, which, you know, gets the thing mad, of course. Uh, Galactus then uh, teleports Reed up to him so they can talk. And then after that conversation, Reed decides, okay, let's fight Galactus. (laughs) But by that point, Galactus uh, goes back into his ship and Reed's like, oh, now we've lost. So (laughs) it was a lot of back and forth. Yeah, a lot of waffling uh, for that. Meanwhile, Doctor Doom uh, comes up with a plan. He escapes his cell where the heroes had trapped him. All the villains want him to uh, free them. He doesn't. He only frees Claw. He then chops Claw up into thin lenses (laughs) and creates a a big gun weapon uh, that we're going to see what happens in this next issue. (laughs) It doesn't hurt Claw, I guess, because Claw is made of sound. Um. It's so crazy. The back and forth between Reed and Galactus really confused me in this issue. It doesn't make sense. Like, I don't know what... Gal- I, I get a little bit what they're doing with Reed, a tiny bit, right? This idea yeah. that Reed's like, well, if Galactus wins, then there's no more Galactus. Maybe that's for the best. But then why did Galactus talk to Reed? Yeah. What was his goal? He just saw Reed and was like, hey, I want to catch up. Um uh, it, it, that made no sense. And then why that, you know, and even rechanging his mind sort of makes sense to me. Like, oh, I want to go home and see my wife and child. Okay. I don't yeah. know why you forgot about them for a while, but yeah. the Galactus part uh, makes no sense. I was very intrigued when Galactus wanted to talk to Reed. I was like, ooh, this is cool. But then you don't see the conversation and whatever Reed says afterwards is not, yeah. I don't feel like I get it. I'm like, oh, I think, yeah, I think it just doesn't, I like the idea of like there being, I like the idea of like, we should let Galactus eat the planet. That's the move that feels kind of fun, but then the story couldn't back it up with any good reason or that he had a good reason for that, but not to then fight again. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you have a favorite moment from this uh, issue? Yes. It's when Reed first gets zapped up to Galactus's ship and Spider-Man goes to cap. What do you think cap? (laughs) He's like, I'm uh, open to suggestions. Um, That's I funny. Think that was just like a legit funny moment. Uh, There's a fun moment where uh, Doom has chopped. Uh, uh, oh, he hasn't. He's freed Claw. This tattered, weakened Doom uh, frees Claw. Claw, Claw, mad master of sound, being of light, sound energy, whom I found in Galactus's home. You are the one I need. Uh, and Claw's response is, "Moi, tra la 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 la. You narrate your life as you go along, don't you? Are you being taped?" And Doom's response is, why, yes, every utterance of Doom must be recorded for posterity. (laughs) That whole panel is ridiculous. It is insane. Uh, It's fun, though. Claw's lunacy is fun in this issue. I really love Claw in this comic. Um, You ready to get an issue 10? I am. It's a great issue. 
Yeah, I love this cover too. Yeah, so the cover is a doom uh, on one knee, fists glowing with some, you know, just generic power Mm -hmm. and like costume ripped to shreds looking up and the caption is um, against the Beyonder to the death. So we we presume he's fighting it's the Beyonder it's, who is like a god. It is a heroic pose. Yeah. He looks like a good guy other than the fact that he is dressed in green and looks evil. Yeah. Um, and this, uh, this solidifies your theory that Doom is the protagonist of Secret Wars. I mean, this issue, this next three issues... Uh, and I think also the first issue is so draw, uh, driven by doom. It's hard to think anyone else is the main character in this story. Yeah. Uh, Cause like if, when you do these big events, like, you know, uh, uh, the infinity gauntlet, Thanos is probably the protagonist there. Um, when you do uh, the recent war of realms, Thor was the protagonist. Cause it was like an Asgard thing. There's generally like one or two characters sort of drive it. Civil war, Captain America and Iron Man were sort of the protagonists. An antagonist, yeah. depending on who you uh, uh, were rooting for, right? Um, but this one, it's 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 Doom, Doom alone. Yeah, and I think I we I think he's a great choice. I don't know if it was a deliberate choice by Jim Shooter to be like, I'll build this around Doom. Yeah, but it makes complete sense as I'm reading it. Why is that? I mean, I agree that it's working uh, because the heroes are going to get caught up fighting the villains. Like it wouldn't make sense for a hero to kind of break from the pack and do their own thing. Yeah. It lets all the heroes be kind of on equal billing. Yeah. And it, and it doesn't, and there's no other villain that even would come close to doing something like this. But doom is a sort of guy who is like not going to follow the plot. He's not going to follow the story. Uh, I think I compared doom to Arnold Schwarzenegger and commando. This idea right. of like, you set us, you've set up this kind of by the numbers plot uh, you've kidnapped my daughter. I have to do this mission and then I get my daughter back. You'll probably betray me at the last minute and I'll defeat you and get my daughter back. Great. I'm ready for that story. And then Schwarzenegger immediately kills his handler, yeah. breaks free and chases them all down. It's like, oh, he's not playing that game. And right. that's like a fun story. Same thing like Die Hard, like right? John McClane is sort of sneaking around and he's like not playing by the rules. You know, yes. he, uh, the villains have these sort of rules and they're kind of doing things by the numbers and there's cops outside and Bruce Willis isn't really working with anybody that well. He's kind of just doing his own thing because he's the hero, right? He's right. the protagonist. Um, Walter White in Breaking Bad doesn't like do things the way a drug dealer should. He does the way uh, a genius a scientist would do it, an egotistical right. genius scientist. So there's something about that. There's something fun about this character. It's like, no, I, I'm smarter than this plot. And Doom is that guy. Like Reed is smarter than this plot, but Reed's more uh, tends to, especially at this time, kind of fallen into like, you know, following the party line, right? Like uh, I'm going to lead the group. I'm going to help Cap. I'm going to do what needs to be done to get us out of here. But unless like you played up like him wanting to get home to his wife and kids, he's not the protagonist. Right. Um, if you played up like Spidey being out of his element and it was all like kind of Astro City style, um, he's kind of this... Uh, uh, pun intended, spider on the wall, this huge epic thing. He could be the protagonist. But if you want uh, it to be the, this, but if you want it to be this epic big battle, Doom is a great choice. I think the closest protagonist on the hero side is Colossus. 
Yeah, he's probably the cl- the closest. I mean, he doesn't the, he doesn't get X-Men. in terms of real estate, but he you know he's injured. He falls in love. He changes who he's fighting for, and could be yeah. him. If that love story felt even it's, remotely real, <laughs> right? Um, but I mean, I he's it'd be easier to make him the hero in this story than it would Spider Man. Like Spider Man, you know. Sure. I mean, I think if you made Spider Man, it would be a very different story, right? He would be this thing would this this battle world stuff would be the backdrop. You wouldn't really be focused on it. Same yeah. thing if it was like Hulk, like you could easily do like Hulk losing, like losing his intellect during this kind of a flowers to Algernon type story while this is going on. Yeah. It'd be like a smaller scale story. Right. Um, but if you want it to be big scale and even Colossus, that's a small scale story. Like, right. It's a, like a love story and a, on a mm-hmm. war field. Yeah. yeah. If you want it to be a big scale story, you need like a cosmically powerful character. Like Silver Surfer could show up and be the lead. Yeah. Um, Wasp Namor also could. could maybe be a protagonist. She gets almost killed. Her yeah. leadership's being questioned. Magneto I mean, it, could be if he like yeah, really, if like, he really he tried trusted? to be good. Yeah, but, that's but true. None of those beats happen. Right. And I don't think any of those would be as fun as Doom. Yeah. Especially with what's going to come next episode of our podcast and <laughs> the very end of this episode, I guess. Um, so that's the cover. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so the splash page is all the heroes kind of climbing over Galactus's planet eating machine, watching Galactus's ship get like devoured. Uh, and the captions sort of tell us that this ship is not close to the planet at all, despite the fact that it covers the entire sky. Right. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of the, these secret wars issues begin with a caption telling us how big something is. Yes. Like the size of Chicago. I'm doing Stan Lee automatically. Yeah. You got it. I mean, it would be better comic. I like Shooter, <laughs> but it would be it would be so much more fun. Yeah. Galactus eats his home planet. <laughs> um, Shooter is doing Stan Lee light, like you yes. said. And you, we do miss the um, that Stan Lee touch, that like switching from self-deprecating humor to sort of like impassioned pathos. That's kind of Stan. Stan's... Good don't, wor- don't worry, fans. The heroes ain't out of this one yet. <laughs> yeah, but then then it'd be a page of like, you know, um, there'd be some philosophical thing, you know, where it's like, you know, and and as the skies, you know, collided, what is love? <laughs> what is <laughs> is is a life worth living? Meaning any mean anything if you don't stand up for what you believe in. In the middle of and the battlefield, Molecule Man finds love. <laughs> you like know that. what? I love it. <laughs> I would yeah. not be into that. Yeah. Um, I like this panel of the all the heroes in skeleton form. Right, yeah. So the next page, like they're being bathed in some sort of radiation. This has got a... Uh, uh, this is not healthy. Yeah, this is bad for their This is bad for their conditions. Only Wolverine's going to recover from this. Yeah. Uh, they're all in skeleton forms. We see Reed stretching. Yeah, his spine, uh, just big gaps in his spinal column. <laughs> Looks rad. Looks great. Um, Iron Man's closing his eyes. He doesn't want to watch. Uh, but yeah, this is like three pages of the heroes just sort of watching. It's very funny that the ship gets sucked away, and then before Galactus can eat the energy, they see the energy kind of shoot off away from Galactus. Uh, Spider Man's yep. like, "What's going on?" Yep, and they send Captain Marvel, who at the speed of light can go reconnoiter, and she discovers that Doom is sucking all the energy into himself. Yes, and that's what his claw device 
was all about. He had built a device out of claw. Uh, Captain Marvel seems surprised that Doom got out of his jail cell. Uh, that's sort of disappointing. She should not be surprised by that. That he built yeah. this device and is stealing the energy. Okay, that's surprising. But yeah, if I came back and Doom was still in a cell, I'd be disappointed. <laughs> um, but yes, he's watching. Uh, Professor X sort of does a mind link so that Reed can watch through Captain Marvel's eyes. This is nice. All the players are sort of working together for a little bit. Yeah, it's like a little Wi-Fi hotspot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, so Doom has Galactus-level powers now. Yeah, that's pretty nuts. Yeah. Uh, so we've got, like, a few pages of, like, like uh, 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 the children's Alan Moore uh, showing uh, gla- uh, uh, Dr. Doom get used to these omni-powerful level Powers, right, he, right. He like looks through everything. He could project his image and change reality. Mm-hmm. Um, he himself is. He can examine his own body, so all he becomes sort of translucent. That's very Alan Moore. Yeah, he knows what everybody's desires are. Um, we get like a sexy enchantress shot, uh, and then he notices <laughs> that he's being spied on by Captain Marvel, who goes, "Uh oh." Yeah, that's really. I I thought that was really fun. For now, yeah. I am aware, aware of all things, including a spy, Captain Marvel. Uh-oh. Yeah, it's a good yeah, uh-oh. And then we cut to the heroes, and we're like, oh, we got cut off. Yeah, that's bad news. And then um, this, there's big, like, epic displays of power in this issue. And you know what? It's fun. It is um, fun. It, some of it is, like, because I've been reading comics so much since this point, like, Magneto, like, lifts up the ship and flies it, and they're all sort of amazed, and it sort of feels like very small potatoes to current Magneto. But I guess at this point, it was a huge show of his power. Yeah, um, uh, I bought it. There's also like this weird thing. Like at first, Captain America's like, everyone who can fly, fly ahead, uh, help Captain Marvel. And they're like, eh, let's all go together instead was the decision. We'll do better if we all show up at once, which I don't know if I agree with that uh, thought process, Cap. I still think sending Thor ahead would be smart. Yeah, let's get somebody there as soon as possible. You could send Thor, Rogue, Human Torch, and probably Hulk could probably keep up. That's a lot of power. Yep. Um. I don't know. I say do it. I say do it. Um, so Magneto is holding the ship together and flying it. Uh, Wolverine has a little confrontation with Captain America where he basically says, I still don't even know if I trust you because you're not on the mutant side. Yeah. And this fight, and because Magneto is such a still, and I, I guess I don't know what he was like in the X-Men comics this time, but he's still pretty much a villain that the X-Men keep being surprised that they're like, we don't trust Magneto because he keeps trying to kill everyone. <laughs> Yeah. They're like, well, you don't trust any mutants, do you? And, all, and the heroes are always like, no, we just don't trust Magneto. Yeah. Um, it doesn't necessarily play up the the uh, persecution of the X-Men as well as I think they think it does. I feel like the shooter is writing the characters as if they are each little radios that are each little radio transmitters that transmit their thing. Like every time Wolverine talks, yeah. he like is fed up and wants to start fighting and doesn't trust anybody. Every time Captain America talks, he's like moral and like reasonable. Right. Yeah. And they, and so, but the transmitters are unaffected by each other. Like they're just broadcasting their message. And if you put Wolverine's little radio transmitter of, I only, I only care about the mutants and I'll kill anybody else next to Captain America we need to all respect, like they don't listen to each other. Yeah. They don't, they, they have no effect on each other. If there had been, 
and maybe there had been, but I don't think there had been. If there had been like moments just before this comic where Magneto was trying to be a good guy, and in this comic, if he didn't talk so super villainy, this all plays better, right? This all plays yeah. like the, the the X Men are like we are willing to give him a chance, and we're his enemies, right? So give him a chance. Uh, I think that would play like better. It, it's slight nuance that's sort of missing there, uh, but it is fun. It's like a page and a half, maybe a little long for something that doesn't quite doesn't quite work, but I like it. Um, then we go back to Doom, Beyonder, Doom with, or not Beyonder, Galactus Doom. Yes, and he is considering what to do next. He could kill everyone, he thinks to himself. He could do that. He's got the power now to kill everyone and win the prize from the Beyonder, but he doesn't want to do that. He wants to take on the Beyonder still. Yes. So he talks to the head of Claw. <laughs> feels Shakespearean almost that there's this like talking head giving Doom some weird advice. It's not even a full head, right? It's like his brain, where his brain would be is also chopped off. It's like just his face with like a little attachment behind it. It's creepy looking. Uh, should I settle then for being second claw? Doom says to part of claw. No, I am Doom. As long as I am, as long as I knew there was one greater, I would never rest. And Claw's head but you don't have a chance. That would discourage some. <laughs> Pretty reasonable answer from the almost, from the decapitated Claw. Yeah. Uh, it's Doom had no respect for Claw, but he really talks things through with Claw. Yeah. Uh, this is the point where Doom reconstitutes his uniform to look like the action figure. Okay, so he matches the action figure now. Yeah, right. this is the, the one thing, the, the most catering that I see happening in this comic to the action figures this is what his action figure looks like. He kind of turns it from like the sort of medieval garb into like sort of a robot suit. He claims it's because this suit is better suited for fighting the Beyonder, and I buy it. <laughs> Me too. It seems totally logical and necessary. Um, I could have used a little old Jack Kirby schematic there, breaking down the new components of the suit to tell me, you know, like increased power capacitors or something like that. Yeah, get Matt Kent on this, a modern day schematic guy. Um, then all the heroes burst in in a nice little group shot, you know, Reed stretching, uh, Johnny in flight, yet no further ahead than the people who are running. Right, right. Hulk punching or Iron Man blasting the floor. <laughs> yeah. Hawkeye running. Yep, yep. Um, they're all kind of coming in. Spider-Man starts looking in the cells. Um, they notice that Claw is missing and Doom is missing, but everyone else is still in jail cells. So they don't right. know where they're going to find anybody. Spider-Woman finds the paralyzed Captain Marvel who is in light form but also frozen. That's right. Uh, and then the heroes find Claw's head. Yeah. Uh, Captain America, it's Claw or a piece of him anyway. <laughs> they really roll <laughs> with that pretty easily. Yeah. Um, and meanwhile, uh, Doom is attacking the Beyonder. Yeah, there's like a, a big earthquake and we cut away... Um. Uh, uh, we cut away to this big epic shot of like it's just like circles and energy blasts and like Doom just sort of trying to get he needs to, he's, he says his plan needs him to get very close to the Beyonder it won't work unless he's like right next to him because he studied him uh, when they fought in issue one when he watched Galactus fight but he if to enact his plan with because he's got Galactus's powers and Galactus lost to the Beyonder but Doom studied right. that fight, and he thinks, I can win, but I got to get right up next to the Beyonder. So he's trying to okay. just fight himself near the Beyonder here. 
I think this might be a good place for a break. Oh, yeah. We got to take one of those. Let's do it right now. Okay. Hey, it's us again, your hosts, Kevin and Will Hines, and we want to hear from you. That's right. You can email us at screwitspidey at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at screwitcomics. We also have an Instagram account where we post images from the comics that we talk about, and that's screwitcomics on Instagram. That's three different ways to connect with us. Tell us your thoughts about the issues we're talking about, or the format of the show, or our life choices that have led us to this point. Reach out and tell us anything, honestly, and we might talk about it on a future episode of this podcast. Thanks for listening to Screw It. We're just going to talk about comics from Campfire Media. And we're back. And uh, Reed Richards is watching TV. Yeah, this is a pretty early wind down for the series. The second half of issue 10 is just a we just kind of real slice of life. Yeah. I'm only being slightly facetious. He does turn on the monitor and just watches Galactus float in space. Right. Um, uh, he says we need to get Galactus back. We need he, his power. He wants to wake Galactus up. <laughs> and Iron Man's response, again, very reasonable, is, what? Uh, ain't we got enough trouble? What if he tries to kill us again? That's true. Yeah. Let's wake good, up the guy who tried point. to eat us. Uh, and Reed's like, he's the only one who can help us in this fight. We are outmatched. There's general chaos too, like whatever Doom is doing to Beyonder is causing just like earthquakes and things. So like the ship is sort of being, things are just kind of falling and everyone's getting knocked over and stuff. Uh, yeah, the base. They're not in the ship anymore, but yes, the Sorry. base. Uh, Reed gets pinned under a piece of rubble. Um, uh, uh, Colossus checks on Zaji and she's hurt. He's sad about it. So he goes to let Zaji's boyfriend, Johnny Storm, know. Yeah, who's very shallow, right? I got no time for a chippy now. Reed's hurt. I'll yeah. send her a card later. Jim Shooter does not paint Johnny in a positive fashion throughout the series. Yeah. Uh, Colossus does not like hearing that. Chippy? Chippy? Um, and then there's like another big shockwave, and there's this awesome panel of like the, the, the star uh, almost getting blown out from shockwaves. Like, like it's yeah. like a candle. Which yeah, is that's, I love described. that panel. Yeah, the fight between Doom and Beyonder might extinguish the sun of this, like, battle planet. Yeah, and, like, the next page is just Doom getting blasted from energy. Like, he can't get closer to the Beyonder. The Beyonder is just ripping him to shreds. With all this power, Galacti uh, Doom is still just not powerful enough. Uh, all the years of losing has set Doom up for this. Uh, he's he's used to it. He knows what he's doing. <laughs> Right, all the times in Fantastic Four when he was just utterly humiliated, he's able to keep his poise here. He's like, at least I'm not shrinking down into the microverse. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Doom then projects himself to the heroes to ask for help. Yeah, and uh, makes a big long speech about like, look, I'm fighting the Beyonder. He's, I know you hate me, but he's worse. Help me out. If I had your power, I could do it. And Magneto is tempted. And Magneto thinks about it. Uh, then all the Avengers beat up Magneto. It's another. Well, they, act, they make the moment a little bit. They break it down, right? Yeah. He's tempted. He walks towards Doom, but then he hesitates and makes eye contact with Professor X, which I think is supposed to be he's thinking better of it and looking at. Yeah, maybe Professor I shouldn't X do this. As if X is like the angel on his shoulder, saying, "Don't help Doom." Right, but the Avengers don't wait for that. They tackle him. They don't trust that he's going to do it. 
they sort of like, see, Magneto was going to help him. Uh, though Captain America saw the truth. The way I saw it, he stopped himself, says Captain America. Captain um, America would be a good uh, ref in a basketball game. He's going to call it call it the same for both sides. He's going to be like, that's a foul. Yeah. And you, you don't believe me? I'm Captain America. <laughs> I don't have great peripheral vision in this mask, but I still <laughs> think that was charging. Um, uh, we cut back to Doom was just getting like pelted by blasts and rays. And he's just, he's dead. He looks near dead. Uh, and so then the Beyonder gets curious about this guy. The Beyonder's like, what's this guy's deal that keeps attacking me? Yeah. Uh, and, and sort so, of examines and peers into his mind. We get a quick recap of Doom's life. That's right. Um, peers into his body, like fl- telepathically moves his armor away and like peels the skin back and like takes a look at Doom's physical self. Yeah. And this captions like Doom feels this pain. He feels like his skin being removed, which it sounds like it's great. It's a cool idea. This is like unusually um, sort of rich. Uh, storytelling for the secret wars like these couple of pages where we get into doom's torment at the hand of the beyonders pretty pretty good um but in this moment doom starts reaching for his breastplate where the switches are to like do whatever his plan is because despite all of this he's now close to the beyonder yes the beyonder has come close to him to examine him so he can do whatever it is he wanted to do we don't know that though because we cut back to the heroes who were at the villain's base and the villains are there everybody is just yeah, what, this, is the, the, this, is the villain, rubble. this is the villain base that the heroes took over and trapped all the villains in. So the thing is going to collapse. Everybody runs out. Uh, so Cap and Wolverine go and free the villains because they don't want the villains to die. Uh, and then they become friends. Wolverine and Cap. Yep. I kind of I kind of dug it. I dig it, too. Uh, a little cheesy, this line from uh, Captain America after Wolverine says... Uh, I'm beginning to think you've got room in your highfalutin ideals for all people, don't you? Even if they're mutants. Cap's response, some of my best friends are people. Yeah, it's corny. It's a but little corny. I, I, I dug it. I like it. Too. I, I like the good guys getting along. Here's a good shot at the bottom of Johnny just flying circles around a mass of people standing around. <laughs> Come on, just land, Johnny. Come on. <laughs> Uh, and we cut to the next page and the heroes and villains have escaped from the collapsing base. They're out in the open, but they look up and there is a enormous sized Dr. Doom. Yeah. The, he arrives like in a beam of light and he lands on the ground and he is, he's, he's Godzilla sized. He's normal. <laughs> and like leaning down on them. He's, to, he's no longer hurt. He's in perfect shape. The beyonder is dead. Now the supreme being in the universe is doom. <laughs> Which doesn't sound great. Does not sound good. Uh, and the heroes are all looking up, sort of stunned. And then Doom comes down to human size, calms down, and is ready to talk to them. Yeah. He sort of, he sort of claims he got that the power made him kind of go crazy for a bit, but he's in control and he's a good guy now. That's what he's yeah. claiming. Uh, the Beyonder no longer exists and Doom has been reborn. Thus have two evils come to an end. There is no enemy left to fight. The war is over. It's a pretty good cliffhanger for like an action story. I was, I wanted to keep going. Yeah, it's a good cliffhanger. This last caption box should have been written by Stan Lee. Uh, nonetheless, we strongly suggest that you read the next issue of Marvel superheroes, secret wars. 
Uh, imagine Stanley knowing there's two issues left. What he would write here? Oh my gosh, there almost is not enough room in this panel. For what <laughs> the he war would is say. over. The war is over. <laughs> I guess there's no reason to buy this comic, or is there? <laughs> <laughs> By next month's issue, I promise the war is not over. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, formerly a master of evil, now a master of understatement. For no Marvel fan worth his salt would dare be satisfied with any less than the full story. And for that, you'll have to come back next month, true believers. For Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, and Sam Rosen phoning it in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, more credits jokes at the end of the plug. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, so that's how issue 10 ends. We've got two more issues left. Well, that'll be next week's episode. We'll wrap up the secret wars. Yeah. And then uh, I guess we should say, um, at next season, we're going to do like a season of guests where we have, um, just a bunch of guests on each of whom we'll just talk about whatever, we'll talk about whatever issue they want to talk about. We'll jump all around and it's going to be a combination of, uh, friends of me and Kevin who are comedians and comics fans and then some, uh, comics people. Yeah, we're trying to get some comics people on. We're, we're, we're giving it our all. We'll see who we get. Yeah. So that'll be next season. Season of guests. Yeah. Uh, uh, want to do some emails? I do. Okay. Uh, if you want to email us. Oh, yeah. You can email us at screwitspidey at gmail. Um, leftover from our first season. That's our email address. And then we have an Instagram account, screwitcomics, and a Twitter account, screwitcomics. Those are the best ways to get in touch with us. Send us an email if you have thoughts about Secret Wars or any comic books in general or us, the Milksops. That's our nickname. <laughs> um, we've The emails have decided for us over yes, time. That's, that's right. our email. And, uh, we, and also, if you're completist, we have two other Instagram accounts, Screw It Recent and Screw It Spidey, if you want to go real deep in the Screw It Comics social media verse. Uh, our first email is from Nabil. Hey there, Milksops, he says. Mm-hmm. Loving the Secret Wars season so far. I have such nostalgia for this story. I first got into comics when Spider-Man 3 came out. So naturally, I went to Secret Wars to see where the black suit originated. I was unfamiliar with most of Marvel at this point outside of the movies. So Secret Wars gave me a lot of much-needed introduction. I learned that Thor is awesome, Captain America is the ultimate hero, and Doctor Doom is a way bigger threat than in the Fantastic Four films. As a big-time Spidey fan, I loved seeing him completely take away, uh, t- completely take characters like the X-Men and Titania by surprise. Now, as a major X-Men fan, I can totally see how they got shortchanged a couple of times. Secret Wars 5 and onwards really redeemed the mutants, which was nice to see. When the X-Men strike back, they mean business. I have a couple of questions for you guys. Uh, we talked a little bit about this, I think, actually, last episode, but uh, we okay. record in, in advance. But he says, what do you imagine would a Lee Ditko Kirby era Secret Wars book look like? How drastically would 60s era Marvel differ from 80s Marvel? And what would Lee Kirby Ditko do differently? Um, and if you could pick different characters, which we really covered last week. A we lot. covered this last episode a lot. So that's really the answer to this email. Kevin, yeah. what do we even say in general? I don't remember. I think we said Ditko probably would not be involved. This is a Kirby. This is, this is a Kirby job if there ever was one yeah um i think the ff would be front and center i don't think doom would be the lead i think it would be the fantastic four yeah uh, with with a little captain america i don't think the x-men would play a big part because they weren't that big characters at that point um so i think it would be the ff by a long shot (laughs) captain america would probably still figure in big i think captain america would i think it'd be hard to have him there and not have him be sort of in charge 
but I think it'd be the FF show. Galactus would probably still be there. Um, Hulk be and Spidey. I think Hulk and Spidey would be there, but I think they'd be smaller. I don't think, I don't think Stan would have put them in the front and center just because they're Spidey and the Hulk. No, Spidey was the big star, right? Like, uh, I don't. I, I think if we're talking Kirby era, I think the FF were still bigger, right? Spidey was growing, but I, I think no. But I think I think I, or Thor would still be big. I think Kirby. I think I think Lee's heart for a story like this would be cosmic, huge. This is a Kirby thing. That's FF. That's Thor. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, maybe Ant Man would be the yeah. Ant Man would. Uh, I mean, I think Namor would be here for sure. As well. Uh, we have an email from Jonathan. Uh, I've really been in uh, another we've, We're getting some similar questions here, but uh, I'm going to read them anyway. I've really been enjoying your season of Secret Wars. I feel like it has uh, it was a pure sort of goofy Silver Age joy. And you guys are great at putting a magnifying glass on it. But I wanted to ask because I don't remember if someone's asked before if either of you watched the Spider-Man animated show from the 90s. So we talked yeah. about that last uh, week as well. Our recording and, ahead of time is really um, yeah. thwarting us right now. The answer is no, we have not seen it. He gives us some details on it, which I'm going to read to you, Will. Okay. The whole event is staged as a cosmic test of Spider-Man's abilities as a leader, orchestrated by Med- Madame Webb and the Beyonder. Um, the villains, Doc Ock, Red Skull, Doctor Doom, and Spider-Slayer creator Alistair Smythe <laughs> are given a full year on the battle planet to prepare before the heroes are dropped in to stop them. Uh, the X-Men aren't there except for Storm, and the Fantastic Four take uh, their places as the group that wants to go it alone. The Lizard takes the place of the Hulk on the good guy team and goes through basically the same story arc. Black Cat is there and is uh, useless. Yeah. Um, so he says it's generally the same, but like he can see the pieces getting moved around. Uh, people who watched it seem to love that episode. That's very f- a fond memory for people. Yeah. Well, I, need, um, I might need to go on Disney Plus and watch those episodes. You're the man to go watch it and tell me if they're worth seeing. Yeah. Uh, we have an email from Ted Fair. This is a recommendation for us to cover. Okay. Um, uh, uh, he doesn't want me to read the email, so I'm not going to get into the details. I probably shouldn't have even read that much. But he recommends X-Force by Peter Milligan and Mike Allred. This is where yeah. they sort of became ecstatics. Uh, and it was it's a really great run. Um but Will has yeah. not read it, so I don't know if we'll cover that. But it's tremendously fun. It does seem like something up our alley, though. Like a little bit old school, but um, it's a little niche. Yeah, it's very niche. It's uh, the art style is very retro, but the story is very much like uh, reality stars. It's it's like it's, it's like famous mutants. It's sort of the idea behind it. Yeah, it's great. I loved it. Um, Gabe emails us. Uh, he recommends something. How about the Marvel vs. DC crossovers? Batman, Hulk, and Superman, Spider-Man is what he says we should cover and go up through the 96 crossover, finishing with DC heroes written by Stan Lee. And I don't agree with doing all of them, but I think it would be fun to cover the Spider-Man, Superman one. That was the first one, right? I remember when that yeah. happened. And also maybe the Batman, Hulk one, which I think is re- really good. Good suggestions. Uh, I, I can see us doing those too. I don't know if we would do the second Spider-Man, Superman one. I don't remember that one at all. The first one's really fun just because it's so new feeling. I think even reading it as like a reprint would feel like this is such an uncharted territory. Yeah. Uh, I think the Batman Hulk one weirdly was done better because I think oh, they kind of learned a little bit about it. And even though those but, guys are so opposed, <laughs> like they're not at all in the same world. 
Maybe that's why. Um, but I don't know, Batman's just cool. Um, all I remember is like Superman and Spider-Man fighting and like Spider-Man had to get like powered up to fight Superman. So yeah. for a little bit he could hurt Superman and then it wears off and that's basically it. Okay. I also think, doesn't Spider-Man work at the, they switch newspapers for a little bit. <laughs> and like Spider-Man loves being at the planet and Clark has to deal with J. Jonah Jameson. I think that does happen. <laughs> I think that's the first one and it's fun. Uh, it's pretty cool. Um, so that's a good suggestion. Thank you, Gabe. Uh, was that Gabe? Yeah. Thank you, Gabe. Uh, Victor emails us. Loving that you guys decided to take on Secret Wars growing up. Those are some of the first comics I read, which really introduced me to a whole bunch of the Marvel Universe. I still have a soft spot in my heart for all those big crossover events for that reason, even if they are perhaps not well liked by fandom at large. I hope you'll decide to take on more of them, perhaps a House of M run now that it seems relevant for the WandaVision TV series. A lot of people think the WandaVision TV series that's going on right now is uh, uh, doing a little bit of House of M. I don't know. I didn't I didn't read House of M. So I don't fully know, but it doesn't feel the same to me. Uh, yeah, it feels more. I'm watching WandaVision, and I'm really enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Um, not to like belittle it, because I think they're doing such a great job. But I'm not like as blown away as everybody is by the sheer originality of the idea. The idea is not that original. I think the execution is terrific. Like the details and the art direction and the acting are so so good. But like. I don't want to say anything because of spoilers, but like, and I think finding out the mystery is such a big part of the fun of WandaVision, but like, I feel like I had it figured out almost immediately, which is rare for me. Um, I found the the first couple issues fun, but, but, episodes. oh, but, oh, yeah, sorry. sorry. Yeah. First few episodes fun, but okay. Like, uh, uh, sitcom spoofs have a limited, uh, lifespan for me. Like even as I'm watching them, I'm like, okay, you're doing a, you're doing a better job than most shows do with this. Um, but then after that, I really, I've gotten way into it since then. Like the episodes after that, I thought were really fun as it starts changing and evolving into what it is now. I'm talking very vague cause I think people should watch it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, there's, uh, I don't know. Um, it, it, I think it, I think it's a smaller scale than house of M. I think at the end of the day, I think this series is not going to end up being some sort of epic crossover event type thing. I think. People are expecting yeah. it to change It'll the Marvel be, Universe, and I think it's going to end up being very personal and small. Be very contained, yeah, which is good. That's Marvel stories are better, I think, when they are they follow what I think of as the Ditko model, which is internal emotional journeys. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, but he wants us to do other crossovers. I don't. I don't know if we would. I don't think there's any other crossovers we like enough. But there might be something I could. We're limited because Kevin has read everything and I have not read everything. And thus far, we have stuck to stuff that we both have at least some exposure to. Um, I'm willing to read new stuff. Um, so I might do like a sampler. That might not be what people actually want, but it might be mm-hmm. fun to like do like, oh, we'll do an episode on Civil War, an episode on, you know, whatever. Yeah. And I'm a uh, 40 five, almost 46 year old man who you old jerk hates, uh, most crossovers and reads the ones, uh, the ones I read, I read uh, begrudgingly. <laughs> uh, and once in a while there's one I enjoy, but for the most part, I don't like them. Like infinity gauntlet. I remember being fun. Um, and then if we're going to, if we're going to do the stories that we actually love, it's the surprise standalone story that takes a break from the arc and like 
unravels some side of a character that you didn't expect. Like those are the ones that really stay with, I mean, not just us, lots of fans, but yeah, those are the ones that I think we're more intrigued by. Right. Yeah. I just, uh, uh like that Shea stadium one, right. That, uh, sure. Sure. The, the Paul Jenkins Spider-Man run was filled with stories like that. Yeah. So, um, infinity gauntlet has some nice moments. Um, and if, with, with the, uh, end game and infinity war, they feel more relevant than ever, but, um, it also feels dense. It feels like, ah, oh, that's a lot to cover for those six issues uh, to get just for like two or three cool moments that I really dig. Um, I don't know. That series though makes me like Silver Surfer more than most anything else I've read. So yeah, maybe. I, I, it's not coming up soon. Uh, we have an email from Kyle. Uh, he emailed us through our Campfire Media website. Uh, I've always loved the world of Marvel, but I end up hitting a wall whenever I try to read ongoing comics. The inconsistency of the world and massive history of its characters is too much for me to process. This is why I've been loving the MCU. It's complicated, but more tightly managed than decades of comics. Hmm. Do you have any tips for how I can approach the comics of Marvel without being overwhelmed by its massive canon? Oh, it's interesting. Uh, I mean, yeah. uh, this is a common complaint that I hear from people who are trying to get into um, superhero comics, certainly, but any kind of long running comic book or mm-hmm. series, they just feel left out. They feel like they don't know what's happening and it's frustrating and annoying. Yeah. And the, yeah. the short answer is probably you can't. If you're feeling right. that way, you probably can't overcome it. But I would say if you wanted to try, I think the goal would be to pick a series, get a recommendation, pick a series uh, from someone who knows your tastes. Uh, hopefully not like a team book. Like avoid Avengers and things like and Justice League and things like that, uh, um, and read like a solo character story and just get that and just read that title for a while, and then let that lead you to other books. That's um, interesting. So like if you're reading just like whatever it is, like I'm gonna use a silly example, but I because I think it's really good. Like start with Squirrel Girl. I somehow it, knew you were gonna say that. It's sort of more all ages. It's it's very accessible. There's not a long history for that character. You read it. She crosses over with some characters like Ultron shows up and Doctor Strange shows up and Loki shows up. And maybe that leads you to like uh, eventually, uh, you know, now I'm going to read some more Loki stories or now I'm going to read some more. I'm going to read an Ultron story and sort of like let it uh, leak you into the rest of the Marvel Universe. Because I think if you go for like an Avengers book or a crossover event, especially the current ones, I think I think. Yeah, I think even I, uh, there's like a crossover event going right on right now called King in Black, and I'm reading it, and it, it, I'm just like, what? It's too much for me. Like it's so like the world is being destroyed every issue, and I'm just sort of like, I can't process it all. But if I, uh, here's a good example too. If you read just the current Black Cat series, yeah, she, uh, uh, there's a great series. I think it ran for 12 or 15 issues, got canceled, and now is restarting at issue one, which is how they keep alive good comics that nobody buys but black cat's a really fun comic and every issue she robs like another marvel universe character <laughs> so you get a touch of uh, all these other characters through the lens of this uh cat burglar so she like yeah. robs a mystical item from dr strange or breaks into the fantastic four headquarters to get something so you get to see all these characters but only glimpses and through her w- window and it's really fun so something like that, I think, is a better way to enter into the Marvel universe. But it's finding out which of those comics to do. I think it's tricky. Yeah, and like I don't know, like Squirrel Girl is not for everybody. It's very kid friendly, so that might be a turnoff for some people. 
Um, and Black Cat is also like a slightly more humorous book. Those are the ones I'm drawn to. Um, but you could probably start with the Immortal Hulk if, if you, you know, just read that. Even though it's seeped in history, if you're just reading that, I think that could work. Yeah, a lot of the references to the Hulk's history, I've only read the first 13 issues, but they're sort of framed like Easter eggs. You don't need to know that this is a character who's been there before. Yeah. It tells you everything you need to know for that story. So it just depends what kind of story you'd want to read. But I would avoid, like, I wouldn't pick up the Infinity Gauntlet. I wouldn't pick up uh, Secret Wars might work, but, like, I wouldn't go for the big epic things. I wouldn't go for Avengers. I think it, I think you'd feel you would feel left out if that's what you're worried about. I'll say this. As somebody who has dipped in and out of superhero comics um, his whole life, I am surprised that it's for all the massive number of stories that have been told with these characters, there's actually a relatively small number of historical events that get referred to. Like most of the old stuff is sort of never talked about. And there's like, I I am just surprised that if I pick up an issue of something, they'll be referring to something that I already knew about. Uh, back from when I was reading in the mid eighties, you know? Yeah. Um, it's, I, I'm saying this to encourage you. Like it's actually not such a big mountain to reach a point where you know what's going on. And and I think what's happening also is even what Will's seeing is actually probably not true. They probably are referring to things he hasn't read. He just doesn't realize like it's, Oh, they are referring to something he missed, but in a way that he thinks it's a new thing. Um, I bet that happens sometimes too. Like it, it is the job of the comic book to transcend this. It's supposed to be good enough that you yeah. don't mind not knowing like that is, it's supposed to, I mean, when we read the stuff in the eighties, Kevin and I did not know the history of lots of stuff and we got into him and that was because they did a good job of being present. Another, another good one to try would be a uh, Jason Aaron's, uh, run on Thor that ended recently. It's super long. Um, I don't know what the first volume would be called, but if you Googled it, you could probably find someone who lists them in order. Um, it, it, in the middle of it, Jane Foster becomes Thor, which is sort of the inspiration for the upcoming Thor movie. So it's good in that sense, but it's huge and it's big and epic and it ends in a big crossover event. So if you start with just his story, it's very Thor centric. It's just Thor for a while and then it will blow up into more Marvel universe. And it'll feel like it's touching on a lot of Thor history, but it really, it, Somebody I know some Thor history. To me, it felt like a pretty new thing. Um, just touching on you know Norse mythology a little bit. I think that's really good too. While also being modern and not like going back to Walt Simonston stuff, which I think is also brilliant. Yep. Um, anyway, I recommended a bunch of stuff. I do think the answer is probably it won't work. But if it's <laughs> yeah. going to work, this is the way it's going to work. Yeah. One title. Um. Scott Rogers uh, emails us well. Hmm. Uh, he, oh, I read a bunch of his tweets last episode. Um, yeah. He doesn't know that yet because I, uh, we, we record ahead of time, but he'll yeah. find out soon. Um, he asks a similar question about like which DC characters would be in a Secret Wars. Um, I think we tried to do that and our answer was pretty boring. I think it's like the Justice League. <laughs> <laughs> um, he lists a bunch of characters, uh, some of whom uh, I think I know most of them. 
Uh, he lists way too many in my mind. Maybe this is yeah. his Marvel sense. Superman, Batman, Robin, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, Hawkman, Hawk Girls, Green Arrow, Black Canary, Firestorm, Geoforce, Looker, Katana, Metamorpho, Power Girl, Huntress, Jade, Obsidian, Supergirl, Amethyst, and Vigilante. Oof, that feels like a lot. Um, yeah. He didn't send Flash, and he gives reasons. He didn't send Teen Titans, and he says why. Um I think the interesting thing about his lineup is he's sending the Outsiders, which is the Batman Justice League uh, offshoot. Okay. And they would fill that sort of X-Men role of going off on their own, maybe. Yeah. Uh, his villains, and I only have heard of some of them, uh, Lex Luthor, Brainiac, Joker, Amazo, the Masters of Disaster. I've never heard of these guys who are Cold Snap, Heatstroke, New Wave, Shakedown, and Windfall, <laughs> uh, Man Bat, uh, Cersei, Count Vertigo, and the Spectre. Um, he's like, what do I think of this lineup? Milk Sops, do you agree with this lineup? And my answer, Scott, is I have no idea. <laughs> seems, <laughs> seems fine. <laughs> uh, my lineup would be boring. It would either be the it'd either be the, uh, the the ones that were on the Super Friends cartoon or the Justice League International. <laughs> I think if I if for some reason DC was like, let's ruin everything and let Will Hines do a Secret Wars type crossover, and we're not going to let him read anything. He's not allowed to learn <laughs> anything before he makes these decisions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would, I would get the writers and editors in a room and be like, who are the most emotionally broken characters? I want all, I want like, as if the Smiths were going to be the music, uh, 80s reference for, um, for this uh, soundtrack, you know, uh, for, this, uh, for this crossover event. You know, I want like all people who are emotionally destroyed and let them have a redemption arc. If I was going to do it, I would take any character that seemed, I wouldn't take any character who would seem capable of dealing with a cosmic level event. I would want so a no bunch Superman. of people. No, no Superman, no Batman. He's too competent. No Wonder Woman. It would all be like low level characters. Like the Blue Beetle of the 80s. Yeah, yeah. It would just be characters who are just like, we are out of our element here and now we have to deal with this thing. I think that's a more interesting story to me than guys who are just like, all right, let's operate this high-tech alien machinery and, and stop yeah. Galactus. I'd want people to be like, I don't know what to do with this. Yeah. Um, there's a story there that I think is more interesting and like who who steps up to sort of become comfortable in that. Uh, when um, uh, this isn't quite the same thing, but Marvel did uh, this Annihilation event where Annihilus, the Fantastic Four villain, yeah. Somehow got into outer space um, and sort of like started taking over planets. And Nova, uh, who obviously is, it deals with space stuff, but had kind of got vaulted into a leadership role. And he was like a kid member of the New Warriors character. And he sort of became this war torn hero in this event. And it was really cool to see this guy who's just sort of like, I'm the only one out here. There's no Captain America, there's no Thor, there's no Iron Man. So it's me. Um, and I thought I, I, that story stuck with me because of seeing this guy sort of thrown out of his element, if not in, uh, uh, if not in genre, in uh, role. Anyway, uh, and that eventually led to the Guardians of the Galaxy. Maybe you've heard of them, Will? Uh, no, I, I haven't. I avoid movies. Great. Uh, our next email is from Michael or Mike. Uh, Dear Milksops and Panty Wastes. Uh, I've been loving your Secret Wars discussion. I think you guys uh, get these older comics better than any critic I've ever heard discuss them. So it's great to follow along with you as both as I reread these, uh, follow along with you both as I reread these nutty issues. 
Uh, I originally wanted to ask what Marvel hero you'd like to see added to the Secret Wars, but that seems too easy. So instead, I'll ask what DC hero you'd like to be added to the Secret Wars and what indie hero would you like to see added? So this is I think taking this current Secret Wars, but adding one DC character or one indie character. So this is fun. fun. Let's uh, what do you got? Well, okay, um, DC character, I'll add uh, Zantana. The the daughter the or is it Zatara the, the the daughter magician. Then Santana is the daughter. Zatara yeah. is the dad. Santana. Um, I want to change my answer already. Okay, <laughs> change it. Dead man. Dead man. All right. You're going. Uh, <laughs> you're going. Seventies. Uh, magic. Yeah, I'll add dead man, and my indie character will be Zot. <laughs> I figured it would be Zot. <laughs> um, I will send. Um, DC, uh, for my indie character, my first thought was uh, uh, Concrete. <laughs> Ooh, that's fun. Uh, you sit down and write a novel about it. Yeah, you know? not a hero, not a super-powered, uh, I mean, super-powered, but not a not a person who fights. <laughs> what an intriguing series. But concrete. probably a better choice is one of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or something like that. Yeah, right, right. That's much more commercially sensible. They would roll with Con- it. Concrete would not help your sales <laughs> no, of Secret Wars. Not help at Who's, all. What's Concrete doing? Well, he's just hanging out by himself. He's working on his journal and uh, yeah, he, uh, and he's into photography. Yeah, uh, he just walked across the ocean floor before the storyline, and now he's uh, <laughs> on a cosmic planet during a, a huge uh, war-torn battle. Yeah. Um, and then my uh, uh, DC character... I don't want to. I don't want to bring a magic guy. I don't like magic characters almost okay. at all. Uh, so I would bring. Who would be fun? Um, I would. Uh, oh man, um, I keep changing my mind in my head. I don't. I don't want to Let's bring. Say it, say it out loud. Who you're okay. saying and rejecting? Okay. I, I my first thought was Robin because I love Robin, a Dick Grayson, uh-huh. Robin, Nightwing. But uh, I think he'd be too cool with it. He'd roll with it too, and he don't think I don't think he brings anything new. There's no no fun there. Yeah. So then I thought, like, what about one of the Superman characters, like Superboy or Supergirl? And I think they're too powerful. I don't want to bring them okay. along. Okay. So I knock them out. Uh, I don't want to bring a Green Lantern or a Flash. They're just too they're too powerful. How about Green Arrow? He's like they already of- got Hawkeye. That seems ridiculous. <laughs> It's kind of fun, two arrow guys like talking about their crazy shit. Yeah, kind that's the guy that shows up. Like, what a what a waste. Um, so probably not. Oh, I know who I'd bring. I got it. I'd okay. bring Creeper. <laughs> Wouldn't well, he might bump with Claw, right? I'd love Creeper there. Creeper would be. He would seem like he was part of this planet. You wouldn't realize he had come from another universe. Uh, you'd think he was with the Beyonder. He's cool. I love Creeper. I think not okay. enough is done with Creeper. That's who I'm bringing. Okay. Uh, not I, like surprisingly, def- I like how definite you were. Not surprisingly, a Ditko character. <laughs> uh, thanks, Mike. That's a fun question. Uh, Bernie Lockhart emails, Will's never read Moon Knight? I'm quitting the podcast soon. This is my favorite <laughs> comic book podcast hosted by a milksop and a panty waist later. Cowards. <laughs> so you, you lost one, Will. I blew it. I blew it. Well, at least, at least I blew it on... Something that was true and not just because I yelled at you about nonplus. <laughs> uh, Dave Bloodband uh, emailed us well. Dave Bloodband? Yeah, UCB right. improviser and filmmaker Dave Bloodband? Yeah, Dave Bloodband. Uh, super funny guy. Really nice guy. Love this guy. Yes. He's emailing us. Uh, face front milk sops. He starts. 
<laughs> Somehow even funnier when it comes from Dave. Uh, I was revisiting the Justice is Served storyline written by Byrne, Grunewald, and DeMatties in the 80s. Ooh. I know those three are big favorites of yours and mine too, and I was wondering if you ever dived into it in the past. Uh, I have not, Will. Have you? I have not, no. Uh, they created I've never heard of it. They created this character named the Scourge of the Underworld who killed off D-list villains dressed in elaborate disguises, then uttered his chilling catchphrase, justice is served. <laughs> this is a weird and pretty weak crossover idea that stretched across <laughs> the Marvel Universe for a year and a half, ending in the worst climax with Captain America. I won't spoil the ending if you haven't read it, but the reason I bring it up is because it was a very Ditko storytelling impulse vibe. If you've read it, uh, I would love to get your thoughts. If you haven't read it, it might be fun to hear you guys dissect it on the show. Uh, love the pod, your friendly neighborhood, Bluff band. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've never read this. I've heard of Scour- Scourge, uh, but I've never read that storyline. Sounds funny. Um, um, I might check it out. That makes me want to read it. Dave, Dave recommending it makes me want to read it. Yeah, me too. Um, and then we got one more that's long that I, I think I'm going to uh, save for next episode because I'm going to answer some of it through email. Okay, so great. That's it. Closing up uh, the mailbag. Well, zip. Um, all right, we got one more episode of Secret Wars. We're going to go over issues 11 and 12 next uh, next episode. Man, we're getting a ton of emails. Thanks, guys, for all these emails on these episodes. Uh, we love it. We're finally covering something that people are interested in <laughs> and not just my favorite Sandman comics yeah. or whatever. Wait till we cover Jack Staff <laughs> and the emails <laughs> stop. Oh, wait till we dig into the black and white issues of Zot, baby. <laughs> the less commercial yeah. part of that When the series. superheroics stop. The Heinz brothers <laughs> join in. <laughs> Maybe we got to cover a concrete now. That people are going to clamor for it after this episode. Oh, there'll be there'll be mobs at our door wanting us to talk about. I do love concrete. I love that series. Uh, that Paul, was Paul Chadwick will demand it, and uh, Mark Schultz will say, I mean, you, was, "What are you doing, Cadillacs and dinosaurs?" <laughs> I know we're wrapping up here, but like that was a fun time for indie com. Basically, like the mm-hmm. rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, as I recall which was a black and white independently published comic book at a commercial smash, mm-hmm. right? Like allowed small time publishers to do other weird black and white comics that weren't necessarily anything like the turtles. Right. And also the rise of the direct comics market gave them a way to like get these issues in front of likely readers. And so you'd go to like your comic book shop, like Kevin and I would go to outer limits comics on um, route 37 in Danbury, whatever route that was. And, um, you know, and you'd be picking up your Spider-Man and Fantastic Four and there would be Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in the indie section, but also it'd be Concrete and Zot and Love and Rockets and like Fish Police. Right. And like all those weirdo if stuff. Not, it, was, it was fun. If not for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and in a way not for like Zot and Concrete and things like that, you don't get a Hellboy. You don't get uh, things like that. Um, yeah. And maybe you don't get Image. I mean, like... Um, I mean, you just... You probably don't get it when you do. It probably comes much later, right? Because it's... Yeah. Uh, and they just... They... And Tales of the Bean World, like, it was a truly random and weird array of stuff. But it was... They were good in and of themselves. And they also served as a nice break from Marvel and DC. So that when you went back to Marvel and DC, it was kind of like more fresh. You Sagio Jimbo? Oh, Yeah. Now we're talking like they reprinted all the lone wolf and cubs at that time yep. that started happening. I mean, a lot of this stuff was dark horse, right? Dark horse and eclipse. Um, yeah. And fantagraphics. A, and fantagraphics. Those are like the three big ones um, at that time. It feels like. Yeah. Badger from eclipse, like Nexus uh, animal man, right? Steve Rude's Nexus animal man yeah. was vertigo. 
Oh, okay. Um, anyway, so... But I don't, uh, I don't think Vertigo exists without the indie explosion. So we that might be worth a couple episodes not going long, like three, yeah. like a two or three episode just like yeah, retrospective. Uh, maybe three issues for each issue of Concrete. Three episodes for each issue of Concrete. Um, <laughs> I feel like three to four hours on an ep- issue. And then, I uh, mean... I love concrete. I would do it. Like both, that would be both his origin and then the retelling of his origin a few years later. <laughs> yeah, they expanded it, right? Yeah, that's I right. That. I love the expansion. It was really good. Um, I, I, I do love. I'm treating concrete like it's a joke. It's a really good comic. It is a truly odd comic, and it would be an incredibly strange follow-up to Secret Wars. <laughs> I mean, it is like the opposite of Secret Wars, right? Well, it won't be when I go back in time and make Jim Shooter include him. <laughs> Uh, the Fast and the Furious podcast. Next episode, my dinner with Andre. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, tune in next week for the end of the season and maybe the end of the Marvel Universe. What? Oh, no. Ever wanted to hear the story of the time that Melissa Fumero from Brooklyn Nine-Nine's kid had a two-hour-long tantrum that drove generations of their family to weep? Or maybe the story of SNL's Bobby Moynihan's kid, who found random pizza in a playground sandbox and ate it. If so, you should check out Why Mommy Drinks, a weekly comedy podcast where I, Betsy Stover, talk to interesting people like Richard Jefferson from the NBA or Rachel Bloom from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend about a time that their kids broke them down into a shell of their former selves or maybe even drove them to drink, but in a fun way. If you have kids, this show will make you feel less alone. And if you don't have kids, you're going to be so glad you don't have kids. Listen on Campfire Media, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. My mommy drinks. Campfire.